Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I hope you guys are doing well. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Financial Channel. This is the blackfinancialchannel.com. <clears throat> My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and uh, I want to talk to you guys about uh, some stuff that might help you financially. Uh, it, it, I, it, this just came to mind, and I was thinking about how your bank account can tell you a lot about who you are. Uh, it tells you a lot about what your value systems are. It tells people uh, how you think. Uh, it tells people where your priorities lie. So I'm going to tell you at least three things that your bank account tells you about yourself. So get comfortable, buckle up your seatbelt. We're going to get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I am your friendly neighborhood finance professor. On the Black Financial Channel, we talk about black wealth every single day, sometimes as much as 10 times a day under one condition. The condition is that we are black first. Black first means that we educate our people on economics. The Black Business School has educated over 10 million of our people on how to invest and how to buy shares of stock. Uh, we deeply believe that if we focus hard and we do the right thing right now, that our community, that the B1 people, people who are black first, their children will be the economic leaders of the next generation. They're going to be owning and running trillion dollar companies. So if you agree with me and you believe in that vision, then uh, put a B1 in the chat. Uh, also, shout out the city that you're from. Let me know what city you're from. Uh, good morning to you, Leslie Brewerton. Good to see you. Uh, Deborah Evans and MC Lee out of Houston and Kayvon Muhammad. Uh, good to see you. Tiffany Newhouse-Smith, uh, Mook Millions. Good morning to you. Uh, and so, uh, sorry, so here's what I wanted to talk about today. This is going to be really quick. I'm going to talk a little bit about what's happening in the stock market as well and kind of give you my, my take and my interpretation on it. Uh, as I get started, I want to let everybody know, don't forget that this podcast is on Spotify. It's on Apple. Anywhere you want to uh, get your podcast, just look up the Dr. Voice Breakdown. That's how you can find the podcast. Uh, we're trying to grow this platform. It's independent. We don't take corporate sponsorship. We don't take money from the government. Uh, so we're not, you know, on the iHeartRadio network, anything like that. We just, we're just some independent black people who are getting the damn thing done. And we've almost got a billion views. We're actually approaching a, a billion views on our different platforms. So I'm, pre I'm really excited about what we've accomplished on our own as intelligent black people. So with that being said, uh, I want to ask everybody, you know, uh, give me a yes or no if you uh, think this assessment uh, makes sense or not. Give me a yes or no. And Judy Bush is asking, do, should we buy stocks now? Uh, I'll, I'll put your question on the on the screen, Judy, uh, so I can make sure I get to that. Uh, how many of you think that your bank account kind of tells you something about your, who you are? Right, give me a yes or no if this premise makes sense, that, that if I look at your bank account, and let's say I didn't know you, and I just looked at your account, and I looked at where you spent your money, and I looked at how much money was in there, and I looked at how much money you were invested this month. How many of you think I can look at a bank account and get a sense of kind of how you operate, how you roll, how you kind of think? Give me a yes or no. Uh, I, I, I'd be really curious to know if you agree with that. Uh, it reminds me of uh, Judy when I used to play basketball when I was younger. I played a lot of basketball. I wasn't a tall guy. Uh, but I was a pretty smart guy, I think. I think, you know, we, we have some, you know, we have a couple of IQ points that, that run through the family. And so my thinking was, okay, I'm not tall. I'm not that quick. I can't really dribble that well. But I, I said one thing I could do is I could master the three-point shot. Like I could master shooting, right? So I would go to the gym. I, I kid you not, this is a true story. And I would go to the gym and I would shoot like a couple hundred three-point shots a day. And I would, I read in the book, 
how to how to shoot properly. You keep your shoulder straight, your elbow in, you know, you don't twist your hips when you shoot and you just kind of do the same thing and you get muscle memory, right? This is a little, little game, a little free game for anybody that wants to dominate a game. So let me tell you what happened, Judy. This was awesome. This is made me very proud. I got so good at shooting. I became the Steph Curry of the local basketball court. I kid you not. I, I was I was little Boyce Curry. That's what I was. Y'all got to call me Boyce Curry because I could go out there and I, I kid you not, because I would shoot so many three-point shots, I literally was able to hit like 23 pointers in a row. I kid you not, I've done that. I, I, I even got to the point where a couple times I can hit it with my eyes closed. That's what happens when you just practice, practice, practice. That's why Steph Curry can shoot a shot, walk away, and go the other direction. He knows it's going in just by how the ball felt leaving his hand like that's anybody i don't know if anybody else knows that but that's that's kind of what it's so why am i bringing this up it's other than just sounding like I'm, I'm a cocky non-athlete i was a weekend warrior i wasn't that good but i but i dominated i was able to dominate the game because nobody else could shoot like that i noticed that nobody else really worked on their jump shot like that so you have guys with great athleticism but they couldn't shoot well shoot i could shoot i i i hit, I hit it from half court right so 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 that was my little way in and uh and so here's the deal here's my point um, I learned also from playing a lot of basketball that I could tell a guy's personality by how they play basketball, you know? So the way you could tell my personality by how I played is you could tell that I was a thinker. I was a PhD student and I wanted to be relevant in the game. So I got in where I fit in. I found my strength. My strength was that I could practice shooting and become a great shooter, but I couldn't dribble it, couldn't take it to the hole, couldn't dunk on you, couldn't do any of that stuff, but I was a great shooter, right? So, so the same way you can tell a guy's personality by how they play basketball. Like the guy who's the ball hog, you know, he's usually an asshole or off the court too, like because he, he wants to take all the shots. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if anybody's ever played with a ball hog. Or the guy who passes the ball a lot is the nice guy. He's more cooperative. He wants to see everybody win, everybody be happy, right? I like playing with people like that, right? So, so, so the same thing that's true in basketball, I think is also true with investing. The same thing is true with the game on the court. It's true within the game of life. You know, uh, the same thing that's true in, in basketball competition and in, in, in athletic warfare is true also in economic warfare. So uh, I would just tell you, I'm going to lay it down for you, uh, a couple of things you can learn about yourself or about other people by looking at their bank account. And, uh, and so so before I move on, if you could do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Also hit the notification bell. And before I answer Judy's question, I want to uh, also thank PathwaysUnited.org. I got to tell you about PathwaysUnited.org. Uh, they sponsor a couple podcasts, so I really want to show respect uh, to what they're doing because I think that what they're doing is extraordinary. Pathways United is actually helping uh, people like us to get grants. Uh, so if you're looking to get government grants, particularly from the Department of Energy, just go to PathwaysUnited.org and they can give you the hookup and show you uh, where the money's buried. Uh, so feel free to go to pathwaysunited.org if you are uh, scientifically inclined and would like to apply for grant money. They will help you with your grant. They will help you get ready. Uh, it's particularly for grants, billions and billions of dollars from the National Science Foundation or the Department of Energy. And uh, this is some of the stuff that they cover, higher energy, physics, electricity, et cetera. So shout out to pathwaysunited.org uh, for doing that. Okay, so so let's get back to the issue. So let me answer Judy's question because uh, I love you, Judy, and I want to make sure that your question gets an answer. Judy is asking, should uh, we buy stocks now? Uh, the answer is yes, yes, heck to the yes, hell to the yes, 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 yiggity yes, triple yes, 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 
to the yes power. So did 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 I answer that question clearly, Judy? Did you get the did y'all did y'all understand that answer? That when I say yes, 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 y'all, yiggity, yes, y'all, yes, yes. Why do I say that? Well, because the best time historically to invest in the stock market is usually yesterday. Like if you started investing yesterday, meaning when I say yesterday, I mean, it's figurative, right? I mean, literally 20 years ago, if you started investing consistently and just started buying, let's say, a new stock every week, even if you weren't even researching and just were randomly picking like Fortune 500 companies, you would probably have a lot more wealth in your bank account now than you had back then. Right. And, 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 and if you want a little wealth secret that's worked extremely well for me is um, I just I, I get I got in the habit of using my extra money for my sneaky little uh, my sneaky little vice. It's my sneaky little guilty pleasure. You know, my guilty pleasure is it ain't going to the strip club and making it rain on, on the strippers. It ain't uh, going out and buying new pairs of shoes. My little guilty pleasure is I like to own companies whenever I get extra money. Because now, you know, I have the, you know, I have the, I have a car I want. I have the, we have the house we like. Um, I, I don't really need to buy new clothes every week. My closet's full of clothes. So I was like, what am I, what do I do with this extra money? Well, you know what I do? I love to go in and, and find little stocks that I'm like, ooh, this is a good one. I want to own a piece of that company. Ooh, they're in, they're in, uh, they're in the electronics industry or they're, they're, they're a chip manufacturer. Ooh, that's a great social media company. I want to own a piece of that. So that's what I do. I just take my extra money and I just buy stock with it. And, uh, and when you do that and you do that consistently, you're engaged in what is called the accumulation process. That's what wealth is. Wealth is an accumulation process. So uh, the ability to predict, I can tell you this as a person with a PhD in this stuff, that you cannot really predict what a stock is going to do next week, next month, or next year. You really don't know for sure. Nobody was able to really predict what 2022 was going to be like. People might say it, but they a lot of times they just got lucky. It's really a matter of just, you know, like looking at the looking at history. Historically, if you there's no time in, in American history where it wasn't a good idea to start buying stocks. So, so yeah, the answer is absolutely yes. You should buy stocks, and and I buy stocks every single day, all the time, and, uh, and that's that's how you know a lot of my wealth is built, right? So, so let me keep going. Let me let me keep reading here. All right, so so I have some notes on this, and I want to share this with you. So if so, if you look at someone's bank account, there are a few things you could tell about their personality. There are things you could tell about their choices, etc. Uh, uh, one thing I would tell you is this: um, that that differentiation between being a spender and a saver that's real easy to tell. Um, in a bank account. So uh, I knew a lady one time who saved 40% of every paycheck that she got. Uh, and it came from the fact that she was um, anal retentive as a child and growing as into an, as an adult. Uh, she uh, became a person that just really wanted to save because as a kid, not only was she anal retentive, but she also uh, went through some financial distress. So she saved, 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 saved. Well, as a result, I mean, eventually, I think she bought a whole apartment building or something. And she wasn't like some fancy person that had, you know, that was that inherited millions of dollars. She started off, <clears throat> excuse me, below middle class, probably poor. But she went to college. And when she got her first corporate job, she wasn't trying to buy fancy shoes and fancy cars and fancy clothes. It, everything she got would be like maybe she bought a car. She'd buy like a three year old car or a four year old car. It'd be a nice car, but it wouldn't be a new car. And so she saved 40 percent of her check. And now, you know, by the age of about 30, 38, 
She bought an apartment building, literally. And now she collects all this rent from all these people uh, that live in the apartment building. So a lot of what you can actually tell if you look into somebody's bank account is you could tell, are you a spender or are you a saver? Uh, a spender might be a person who lives paycheck to paycheck. Uh, that's what you're encouraged to do. That's how society trains you. They train you to live paycheck to paycheck. As we know that that's, that's not healthy because it breeds a lot of anxiety and a lot of financial insecurity. And uh, if you want to dig more into your psychological mechanisms that might keep you from building wealth in the Black Business School, we're very proud that we created the first ever Black financial therapy department that focuses specifically on the psychological barriers that keep us from building Black wealth. So we're partnering with the best therapists, the best psychologists, the best financial experts, and bringing them together to really understand mindset on a scientific level. Uh, as you know, my wife is a full professor of social work. She's a licensed therapist. Uh, she sees clients. She's a certified clinical trauma professional. So we've spent a lot of time on Sundays deep diving with the students on the psychological issues like financial anxiety, financial trauma, et cetera, but not doing it from an arm waving level, just telling you what we think, but literally looking at the science so you can implement this into your own family so you can create a culture of wealth. In fact, my new book called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power, uh, which is available on Amazon, it's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. It's gotten excellent reviews. And so if you get a copy, please leave a review. Uh, that's what that book is all about. It's about saying, how do, how do wealthy people act? How do you start acting rich? You've got people that act rich because they'll, they'll show you, you know, uh, they'll show you a fancy car or a big house, you know, and they'll, they'll put hashtag blessed when they do their selfie next to the new Mercedes that they just got or whatever. Um, that those are people who act rich. Right. The, the big chains and all these fake symbols of wealth, which don't mean anything, because for all you know, that jewelry could be fake. And even if the jewelry is real, all these symbols of, of, of material success don't necessarily imply that you're financially secure. So this is important for ladies to understand. A guy who's showing you uh, you know, his wealth on his wrists, his wealth around his neck, his wealth in his car, that might be where all his money's at. And so, uh, so there's a difference between me showing you my wealth by showing you a Mercedes Benz versus me showing you my wealth by showing you 200 acres of land that I just bought. One type of wealth is the type that will maintain and appreciate in value. Uh, the other type of wealth is basically me showing you that I give my money away. So those are two different indicators. You got to know the difference there. Uh, another thing I could tell about you uh, by looking at your bank account would be, uh, you know, are you uh, an investor and are you a long-term planner? So if you have something like an automatic investment where every week or every month, uh, a percentage of your check goes into an E-Trade or a Fidelity account or whatever, then that tells me that you are a long-term investor. That doesn't just tell me where you are. That tells me where you're going. Where you're going matters more than where you are. Where you finish is more important than where you start. You know, the path that you're taking is more important than the path that you've traveled. So ultimately, this myth, this idea that somehow being born in poverty and starting off poor means you're supposed to die poor, that's a lie. That's just not true. That's not proof. That's not supported by the data or of the evidence. You could give me any poor person in America anyway. Maybe this isn't true in all the countries, but in America, you're blessed enough that if you start out, you could be the poorest person in the entire United States. And if you act like a rich person, if you do what wealthy people do, like you take every, you know, the extra nickels you get, you you try to find some way to flip that into something else, or you're always accumulating skill, then you're going to eventually end up as a wealthy person. It's not that hard to have a net worth that exceeds the average white person in America. That's not hard to do, right? So, so the, the racial wealth gap isn't really so much of a gap in terms of of possibility and opportunity or or even resources. It's really more so of a gap in terms of culture. It's a culture gap. 
It's, it, you know, you, you, you operate in a certain space in a certain way. You operate in an economic prison and you build prison culture. Like think about somebody who's been in prison for 40 or 50 years. Think about, has anybody ever known somebody who's been in jail for such a long time that when they get out of jail, they still, they, their mind can't get over the fact that they're not in jail anymore. I'm not making fun of it. It's a real issue, right? So if you're in that category, if you know somebody in the category, this is why I'm a big advocate for therapy. Black, all, especially us black men. Come on, man. Like seriously, therapy will make your life better. It will make you happier. Therapy will allow you to understand yourself and understand the world in ways that you never could. Therapy is awesome. I love therapies. Therapy does not mean you're broken. Therapy to me means you want to be great, right? Because there's so many tools and mechanisms you can tap into that will make you stop being afraid of your own possibilities. So I love talking to my therapist. I, I married a therapist, my wife. By the way, her website is coachingwithdralisha.com. She's a therapist. And I know she sees a lot of you. Actually, a lot of you are probably her clients or probably some of her clients right here in this, in this chat. So I'll, I'll put her website up there if you ever want to go talk to her. But I'm telling you guys, like things like that really help you kind of get over your own sort of artificially imposed limitations. Give me a yes in the chat if you understand what I'm saying. Okay, so so anyway, long story short, um, I, I can look in your bank account and I can tell if you have the mindset of an investor, which is basically a person who plans ahead, or the mindset of a consumer, who is a person who doesn't plan ahead. Do you have? Do you, or do you believe in delayed gratification, or do you believe in instant gratification? Instant gratification might mean that if I look at your bank account, I'm going to see if you spent a lot of money on a lot of stuff that isn't going to give you any long-term value. Delayed gratification means I see you putting uh, a percentage of your check in your uh, IRA and your 401k. I, I, uh, delayed gratification means I see you taking a percentage of your money, putting it into your business. Uh, delayed gratification means I see you taking some money, putting it on that mortgage so you can pay off that, that, that mortgage. Maybe you're paying down some debt. You're doing things that are going to put you in a better long-term position. Uh, the, the third thing I can tell about your money. And this is interesting too. Like there, there's an old saying that says, um, don't tell me what your values are. Show me where you spend your money and I'll tell you what your values are. Have you, has anybody ever heard that before? Like that's a, that's a pretty popular statement and I like it a lot because it's hundred percent true. Uh, you're not really defined by what you say you are. You're defined by what you do, right? What you do determines more about who you are than what you say. Like, for example, I will tell you that I eat healthy and that I exercise all the time. When the truth is, you might catch me with a, a bag of M&M sitting over here, and, and I might tell you that I run 25 miles a week, when really I might have ran about 14. So I do okay. You know, I, I got the salad with the M&Ms, and I do actually get out here and, and, and trot, you know, maybe about 14, you know, 12, 13, 14 miles a week, but I don't do 25 miles a week, and I don't sit around and I eat healthy as much as I say that I would. The, so there's a difference between what I tell you that I want to be versus what I actually am, right? And for a lot of us, that accountability piece, you know, making the rubber meet the road, like really looking at really what you're doing and seeing how consistent that is with what you say you are, that's just huge, you know? So so look, I can look in your bank account and kind of tell, like you say, okay, you're a wealth builder. Okay, well, let me see. All right, so I see you spent um, uh, 10% or 20% of your income going out with entertainment. I see that your car note is $800 a month on a car that's going to basically depreciate in value till it's worth nothing. Um, spent a lot of money on a lot of random miscellaneous stuff. I don't see any investments here. I only see one stream of income. Uh, so so what I what I see is different from what you're telling me that you want to be, right? So uh, so th so that last piece that I'm throwing there um, is uh, is in addition to knowing if you're a spender or a saver, I can also know if you're an investor uh, or a consumer. Thirdly, I can also get a sense of your risk profile. You know, just sort of how you view, uh, how you view money, how you view wealth. 
Uh, are you a person that plans for the future or, you know, and, and protect yourself? Or are you a person that just sort of lets things happen and hopes for the best? <clears throat> so I might look and see, okay, how much money are you spending each month on your life insurance? Uh, how much money are you, how many revenue streams do you have? A person with multiple revenue streams is a person that is managing their personal risk. A person with one revenue stream, like I get one income from one job and I'm a single parent, that's a really risky position to be in, especially if you have no savings, no investments, no alternative streams of income, no side hustles, no nothing. I'm not making you feel bad, but I want you to think about it like this. Look at, think about how devastated people are when they lose their jobs. I want you to process. I want you to like meditate on this with me. We're going to do a financial therapy exercise as you hit the thumbs up button. If you will, please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. If you like this video or like this content and really hit the notification bell, that's really important so that we can notify you when we go live. So I want you to think about how bad people feel, how devastated people are when they lose their job. And so, so process that, right? You know, like it's Christmas. We just lost our job at the factory. The world's coming to an end. It's, it's a terrible feeling, right? It's not good. It's, it's sad. Um, my heart goes out to people that have gone through that. Oh, it's very depressing. Uh, this is, a, again, and when we're doing, the, when we create the Black Financial Therapy Department, we wanted to dig into some of these, these things we go through. The financial anxiety that results from financial trauma, like losing your job at Christmas time or watching your, your daddy uh, leave the house because there's not enough money uh, to feed everybody at the dinner table, right? And so, so I want you to process that and I want you to sort of think of, realize that you can approach that in a couple of ways. You can either approach it as, okay, this risk is out here. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, let's just hope that the factory or the corporation that I'm depending on has to fire me. Right? That's one way you could approach it. And that's kind of how we're trained to approach it. Because Black people, unfortunately, we have a lot of learned helplessness. We're, we're trained to be as helpless as possible. That does not benefit you. Or you can look at it and say, okay, I don't want to be vulnerable like that. Uh, give me a yes or no if you're following this. I want to know. I, I'd like some feedback from you guys. So let me know what you're what you're hearing here. Um, but you know, the, the you, you could say, okay, this is not a way to live. Like this is not how I want to go out. This is not how I want to feel on a regular basis. Because think about this: if you are that vulnerable, where uh, you're living paycheck to paycheck and you've only got one income source, that's a that's stress on your body. That's traumatic enough. Right. It's not just traumatic to, to get killed. It's traumatic to always live your life every day, knowing that you might die any second. And that's why I tell that's why I always say, like, I would never want to be a rapper because you, you have two outcomes. Either you're dead rappers or you're one of the rappers who survived. But either way, you're traumatized. If you're a dead rapper, then it's terrible. You have somebody popping bullets in, in your butt and, and then you, you end up in the morgue. That's terrible. Right. But imagine if you're the rapper who doesn't die. <laughs> but you're always like, I got it. And then you're rapping about it. I keep my strap on my hip and for all the haters out here. And I got a, I got a big clip for all the, you know, like, like really like you're living in this mindset of a war zone kind of mentality where you got to bang over breakfast. You can't even sit down and enjoy a meal with your kids without wondering if this is the day where uh, all your haters or somebody online or somebody who made a diss record or rap gang or whatever decides to run up and kill you, right? That's very scary, very traumatic. That's not healthy. That's not healthy for your your, your uh, physical or your psychological uh, long-term health. So um, ultimately, if I look in your bank account, I can see how you view risk by looking at what you do with your money. A person who is what they call risk averse, meaning that they minimize the risk around them, 
They invest in things like insurance. They have health insurance. They have life insurance. They're not somebody that's going to get caught in a situation where you get disabled and you have no insurance policy, or they're not going to get caught in a situation where you suddenly die and your kids are on Instagram begging people to donate to the GoFundMe because you didn't handle your responsibility, right? Uh, or, or a person who is risk averse is a person who says, I have two or three streams of income because I'm worried if in case something goes wrong here, I want to be prepared. Um, or maybe even things like marriage. See, we, we talk bad about marriage. I know in the manosphere and stuff, there's conversations about marriage, whether it's good or bad. That's debatable. But one thing I can tell you is that from a financial standpoint, one of the benefits of mar marriage or a family wealth strategy is that you can have each other's back. You're operating as a team and as a group and as a clique and as a gang, as opposed to operating as a solo individual trying to do it all by yourself. So do you understand what I'm saying? So risk is all about sort of managing all the things that can go wrong and thinking about those things in advance and being proactive instead of reactive. Black people aren't trained to think that way. You're not trained to be proactive. You're trained to be reactive. You're not trained to be a victor. You're trained to be a victim. You're trained to be a reactive victim. Like, oh, Lord, look at what the white man done did to us again. Lord Jesus, they done did it again. I'm praying in God to church and praying to God in church that they don't do it to us no more. Please, Mr. White Man, please don't do that. I get it, but I'm sorry, but they're not going to stop disliking you. They're not going to stop hurting you. They're not going to stop putting you in vulnerable situations. You, That's up to you to get yourself out of those vulnerable situations. Now, I'm not here to dog out whatever you know or dog out the people who trained you i'm just here to tell you that there is a way of thinking that wealth builders have and i would encourage you to really really try to embrace that and try to un untrain yourself on the ways you thought about wealth especially if you were learning from people who remained in a constant state of economic vulnerability you know i want you to look at the people this is a good practice good exercise for you to do look at all the people in your life that are always having financial problems Look at people, and it might be you. I'm not, I'm not making fun of you if you're in this category. I get it. I understand. I was in that category too. Uh, and I look at the old boys, and I see some areas where he wasn't doing everything right. And he went to college. He, he had degrees. He was teaching finance. But even he didn't have all of his money where he wanted it to be. So, so there's always like a source of that, that vulnerability. And I want you to kind of understand that so you can really kind of learn from that, right? Life is a university. The world is a university. It's always somewhere you can learn something from somebody. So I encourage you to be a learner and not just a person who's uh, sitting around waiting to be victimized again. That's not a fun place to be, okay? So uh, I hope that this conversation has been helpful to you. <clears throat> I want to remind everybody, uh, if you haven't bought your first share of stock yet, um, I, I really would love to be able to do a survey of all the people that listen to me and say, have you bought your first share of stock? And for 95% of you to say yes. So if you haven't done it yet, there's a website, firstshareofstock.com. There is a free training I put together. It's 10 minutes. It'll, it'll get you started. So go to firstshareofstock.com and, and get started right there. Um, that's a great tool uh, to just sort of begin that process of becoming a stock market investor. Now, if you're more advanced and you want to learn about stock options, I have a whole stock options masterclass I put together that's really, really good, really, really effective. So feel free to go to stockoptionsmasterclass.com and you can sign up there at a discount and uh, go ahead and dive into stock options if you've already moved past the beginning stages of stock market investing. All right, guys. So uh, that's it. That's all I have to say today. Uh, God bless you. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you to PathwaysUnited.org for sponsoring the podcast. Pathways United is a great place you can go if you're looking to uh, get grant money from the Department of Energy 
they, that is what they specialize in and they can really hook you up and help you out. So feel free to reach out to pathwaysunited.org if you'd like to get started in that area. And uh, that's it, guys. So I'm out of here. Have a good day. God bless you. I'll check in again with you soon. Take care now. Peace. 